0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with New York visual artist and jazz lover Jim Watt. His new project called 1,000 Watts aims to raise $100,000 through the sale of a 1,000 artworks going on sale beginning on May 14th at Jim Kempner Fine Arts in Chelsea Art. Created as musicians improvise, captured on film by legendary photographer and filmmaker Danny Clinch. Jim is creating the series of a thousand ink washes using a traditional Japanese ink called Sumi along with water. He paints as a jazz ensemble improvises in real time. It's a fascinating story of creativity meets survival for the overall
1: good of jazz. Enjoy. Well hey thanks for taking a minute after Neon Jazz. I appreciate it. Of course I'm, I'm honored to do it. When I was reached out to, to do this I've kind of tried to put all the pieces together. I I guess the real gist of all of this is it's been a crippling world for artists and musicians over the last year, particularly you know, musicians. And basically what you're doing is using your powers as a visual artist to come in to help these cats. Exactly. Yep, you got it. Let's start at the top, let's do an inverted pyramid here. Just kinda of give me an idea of, of of what's going on with this and then we'll kinda of peel back the layers.
2: Let me back up. So I'm an artist, I'm a painter. Um, I'm also a, a huge jazz fan and have been pretty much my whole life. I was weaned on jazz. My my mother's a huge jazz fan and always had WBGO uh, on in the house. My uncle Jim, my namesake, is a, a, a jazz uh, vibes player as well as guitarist up in Maine. So and he's one of my heroes. So so jazz has always been very central in my life. So last year. I met the jazz trumpeter, Antoine Dry, um, who has played with, you know, everything, you know, he studied with Ellis Marsalis, plays, played with pretty much everyone in the Marsalis family, as well as just, you know, you know so many of the greats and uh, fantastic talent and a wonderful person. And he and I quickly became friends, really kind of at the beginning of the pandemic last year, just, just by coincidence. Um, my studio is in Asbury Park, New Jersey, and I have an outdoor space um, adjacent to my studio and I just thought of the idea of of hosting a jazz event there that could be socially distanced. so I decided to host uh, a jazz concert that would be socially distanced. I could really control uh, you know the amount of people there because I, I just personally invited people um, and Antoine put together uh, just a world class had Reggie Quinterly on drums, uh, Mike Nordsey on bass, Antoine, and we had uh, Chris Welcome on guitar. Anyway, it was such a huge success, and so wonderful to, you know, see the band responding to each other, and you know, they 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 weren't they there were no gigs because it was basically locked down, everything was shut down. This was in May, and to have the the, the, the a crowd, you know, an audience that was just super super excited and and responsive. And the music, you know, was just dynamite. So anyway, in that moment, I sort of uh, made an announcement to the audience that this was going to be a series. So what what Antoine and I did is curated a jazz series that went into October. So we did 10 shows every other week, every Saturday. We raised uh, $30,000 for the musicians who played in that series. And there were a lot of musicians who played, you know, uh, Mark Woodfield... Donald Edwards, John Ellis, uh, you know, just, I mean, so many great players. Um, Abraham Burton, Mark Gross, uh, the Curtis brothers, you name it. We just, we just had, uh, uh, Richie Goods, uh, just a fantastic lineup every week. And, you know, I was blown away. It was just wonderful. It was such a treat. It was such a relief in the midst of the pandemic. And it was so well received. Fast forward to this winter, I started a series of sumi ink washes. Sumi ink is a traditional Japanese ink, goes back 2,000 years. Actually, goes back to China. There was uh, some Zen Buddhist monks who brought that ink and that technique to Japan. Um, anyway, I, using that um, ink in a very abstract. I'm an abstract painter, so I was using it in a very abstract way, and decided that I was going to do a thousand of them. And the the making of the ink washes were so kind of dramatic and cinematic that I decided to set up an overhead rig above my painting table and I I videoed uh, the making of them. Uh, the filmmaker photographer Danny Clinch uh, generously agreed to come on board and, and direct a movie that would be uh, using that overhead footage as well as footage that he was shooting And the idea was that Antoine would curate a band that would score a movie that Danny would create. Well, what happened in in the course of me working on these is that I I started inviting Antoine and musicians into the studio to to play while I was painting. And it was incredibly interactive and improvisational. Uh, They were composing in real time. I was painting inspired by what they were composing. They were composing inspired by what i was painting i was projecting what i was painting on a big screen that they could see and all the while danny clinch had a a a film crew in here uh, recording it and a sound crew recording it so it's turned into a bit of a performance piece but ultimately the goal of the whole project is to raise a hundred thousand dollars for musicians who have been dramatically impacted by the pandemic through the sale of the paintings, $100 of, of every sale goes directly to the musicians. And I'm putting together an advisory board of jazz luminaries to, to help me determine who will get the money. So uh, that's kind of a long-winded explanation, but it's a pretty expansive project. So
1: that, that's what it is. Yeah, that's wonderful, man. I mean, and that's, I think that's the thing about all of this at the core, whether it's a metaphor or it's just cream rising to the top what we've missed the most is community and the only real way that we're going to exemplify that notion is communities coming together to help other communities like what you're doing yeah yeah i'm I'm so happy you know it's such a it's such a gift
2: to be able to give back to a jazz community that's given me so much i mean so much jazz is such a big part of my work it's been such a big part of my life it's a big part of my family um, and to be able to give back, you know, in, in even this small way, I think is it, so gratifying for me. Um, I'm just really thrilled
1: to be doing it. I almost kind of feel like I'm in the same boat to a certain degree. I'm a visual artist myself here in Kansas City and prior to this, um, and I still do visual art. Uh, you know, there's a lot of that is that's fueled by the whole world of jazz and even doing this, which, you know, as you very well know, in the world of jazz, nothing is lucrative at all. So a lot sure. of this is because of the love of what I, I like to do. And the beauty of the jazz community that I figured out since I started this show back in 2011 is I have never been around a group of people that are more humble, talented, and human and genuinely kind as the world of jazz musicians are. Oh, I couldn't agree more.
2: I couldn't agree more. I mean, it was so last summer was so wonderful because I became friends with so many amazing people and they happened to be jazz musicians, but they were just incredibly human beings and uh it was you know it, it, I think you know it was it was a it was a challenging time for everybody and to get to meet so many wonderful people was just just great and to this day, you know, I stay in touch with almost all of them, and uh, Antoine has become one of my closest friends. he's like a brother to me and uh you know to to be able to do this project with Antoine and with Danny. Uh, Danny Clinch, that is, is, is just, it's just fantastic. But you're absolutely right. What, what, what an amazing community of people.
1: I heard a couple of radio people talking this weekend about there was a Hall, a Hall of Fame, uh, ceremony for the NBA and they were talking about somebody, I can't remember who it was, but they said it almost seems as though the nicer they are, whether it's athlete or musician, the better they are at what they what they do. And I can always attach <laughs> yeah. realistically, yeah. like the like the yeah. legends that I've talked to, you know, even yeah. Sonny Rollins, like they are the nicest people yeah. on the planet. And they happen to be the most talented people on the planet, you know, and there's oh, nothing absolutely. to be said about that. So yeah. um so I find your technique and what you're doing very interesting. And and I and I don't know if any of this has anything corollary to do with this, but, you know, the Japanese really love jazz. Was there any part of you that was thinking about that culture that, you know, basically holds jazz musicians in a reverence of a godlike kind
2: of thing? You know, I meditate. I'm very, uh, you know, interested in Zen Buddhism. Um, you know, I, I study it not, not in an in a, in a, uh, academic way, but it is, it is a part of my life. So I think indirectly, I, you know, I think that the, the, the Sumi Inc. and its technique, you know, it's very, it's full of uncertainty. There's, there's a lot that happens that I have control over, but there's other things that you have to kind of surrender a certain amount of control. And it does become in some ways a bit of a high wire act. And I, that is very much akin to jazz improvisation and, you know, that, that degree of uncertainty. Um, and, and unscripted, something that that draws me to jazz, and is something that I am drawn to in my work as well. So the Sumi Ink was was sort of a perfect medium to kind of embrace that uncertainty, and I think it works very well with abstract music and 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 certainly with improvisational
1: jazz. You know, I heard that Birdland got uh, a lot of donations too, and I've been hearing a lot about that about, the, about in the world of jazz. And when I talk to musicians, and I kind of probe this pandemic and I've done a lot of interviews since the beginning of this back in March of 2020 all the way up till now and lots of questions and ideas that I have that I bounce off musicians have evolved over time and I think I'm at a point now where it's like I realize how strong the jazz community is firsthand because you know it's one thing to say that you're evolved and you adapt but I think that's the thing about what you're doing and what even these shows that have been put on, the willingness for the musician to be like, you know what, I'm still going to be an artist. I'm not giving up on this because there's some that have. They had to move away from the big city. They couldn't do this anymore. But there's an overwhelming amount that are coming back now. That stuck into this without knowing when or how this was going to start coming to an end. But do you do you do you are you cognizant of the resilience of this jazz community? And is that a part of? Kind of your overall vision of what you're doing absolutely i mean I, think,
2: I I think that that being a jazz musician you know i think i think it a prerequisite is is resilience and and tenacity, just because you know commercial success is 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 you know success in the jazz community is is, is, is something that you know is defined not necessarily by how much money somebody is making because of the lack of you know the commercial uh, you know, it's not popular music. That's that's the fun, That's the bottom line. So people are creating a career and a life for themselves doing an art form that they love that doesn't necessarily lead to making lots of money. Um, you know, even with musicians who have certain notoriety, as you know, or you know, or, you know, there, there's not a lot of parity between jazz music and pop music. That's for sure in terms of in terms of commercial or financial uh, reward.
1: So I guess at this point right now, ultimately, I'd like to know kind of from you exactly how any of the listeners that want to get involved with this can contribute, what maybe the world of jazz musicians can do to be a part of of any of this, whether it's residual or the continuation of live music. Kind of give me kind of an abstract of how exactly this will move forward from this point. Okay, so the
2: the ink washes are currently... For sale and for purchase online. So uh, I, I'm represented by Jim Kempner Fine Art in, in New York City, and you can purchase these through their website, which is jimkempnerfineart.com. And you go on there, and uh, you'll see a link to the Thousand Watt Project, and it takes you right to an e-commerce site where you can very very easily purchase them, and they'll be they'll, they'll be shipped to the buy to the purchasers. So that's that's a very easy way to do it. There are you have the opportunity to buy a single painting that would be three hundred fifty dollars. There are groupings of paintings that will come. If you buy a group of paintings, you get a uh, a video of the making of those. So right, I I mentioned before that there is an overhead video camera which is capturing the making of every one of these. So it will be um, basically the video showing each of the paintings that you're purchasing being made. So that would be the you know one of the bonuses that you get for buying a group of them. But really, it's very easy. Just go to jimkempnerfineart.com, click on 1,000 watts, and it'll take you right to the e-commerce page. And $100 of every sale goes directly to the Jazz Musicians. There's no fees. There's no, nothing is taken out of that. There's no administrative costs. So $100 goes directly into the hand of a musician who needs that money. And, again, I have an advisory board who are helping me determine who will be getting that money.
1: Beautiful. Jim, thank you for opening up. Thank you for doing this for the jazz community. I love looking at the myriad of of voices and artistic uh, hands out there that are just keeping this whole machine going while we all kind of get back and uh, figure out life since we've been rolled over by corona.
2: That's great. And, and if anybody is in Asbury Park, New Jersey, this weekend, Saturday night, I will be performing 1,000 Watts Live, so I will be painting with a jazz quartet led by Antoine Dry on trumpet, John Ellis on sax, sheet Waits on drums, which I'm really, really excited about, and uh, Mike Nordy on bass. So we'll all be performing together. I'll be painting. They'll be playing. Danny Clinch will be filming and uh, it's it's open to
1: the public. If you're in the area, please come by. Man, that's the best, cheapest ticket in town right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For sure. Exactly. Man alive. Exactly. I don't know what I would do if I saw all those cats together. Well, cool, man. Hey, thanks again. Uh, good luck with everything.
2: Joe, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Chaz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and artists in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world. Giving fans all that jazz and thanks to Jim for his time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. And until next time, enjoy the jazz,
2: my friends. Neon Jazz.